0: uh share with us share with this one thing that uh communion means to you
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, i would say this morning my word that i have for us is actually unity awesome it's the word god gave me so, awesome um, yeah want
0: me to i want you this? i want you to yeah. let i want you to go, let i'm letting you loose right now <laughs> yes
1: well good morning church family um so I have uh, the privilege of inviting us in to communion with Jesus this morning. And a couple of weeks ago, Mark uh preached a word on unity. And uh, while he was sharing, I just saw us coming together uh, to receive communion as a family. Because communion looks like a family in unity pursuing deeper intimacy with the Father. And Mark gave us uh, this encouragement. He said, when, we're, when Jesus is at the center, when our eyes are fixed on Him, when we're in love with Him, and everything we do revolves around Him, we look and we actually are looking at each other. And uh, we get to love Jesus, we receive His love, and as He loves us back, we become love and we actually love each other the way He created us to love and to become love. And uh, I've been thinking about that this week, and isn't it amazing that when the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit considered the final hours of our Savior's life, uh, they decided to host a supper. And it was Jesus and a band of brothers who had very little in common. You know, we had a tax collector all the way to a fisherman, but these men were in love with Jesus, and they were receiving um, His love back. And yeah. they, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit orchestrated this picture. It looks like a family in unity. And Jesus modeled out relationship. It's funny because that was the same weekend. of It was the most religious uh, Jewish festival of the year. It was the Passover, and there's so many... Connotations to that, but Jesus had no problem bucking tradition and rejecting religion in favor of relationship, and that's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father is through me, so he was modeling out, bringing his sons, and this morning, bringing his sons and daughters back to the Father, it's not just heaven one day, but it On the heart of Jesus, His mission was to restore relationship back to the Father so that we can know the Father now, so that heaven can come down and be in us and we can go from this house and release heaven on earth. So as we come together this morning, I just have a faith and an expectation that in our unity, God is going to do something special. Awesome. Uh, That Psalm 133, which is that beautiful Psalm on unity at the end, um, it says it's there, It's on our unity that God commands a blessing, even life forevermore. And I believe as we come and do this, not in religion, but as we come in pure, heartfelt uh, seeking and wanting deeper intimacy and relationship with the Father, there's going to be a release of blessing and breakthrough and increase. And we're going to see people restored to the Father. We're going to see healings come. We're going to see mindsets broken. We're going to see depression broken we're going to see relationships yes. marriages families yes. and life come evermore
0: amen amen hey,
1: man, what do you think about all right that'll work that's
0: awesome yeah you said that there and i'm going to serve you come over here the back and also the children off to children's church it was great having you guys in here to, this morning kids we bless you we bless your family and may your whole household experience god's presence this week Um, I do want to mention again that prayer and praise night that Josh and I decided we need one of those. We have not had one in a while. We're going to do it right here. It's on a Saturday night coming up, uh, March 28th. And uh, for those of you that are not aware, you may be visiting today, uh, Jesus spoke to me uh, specifically to record all the sicknesses and diseases in the church. And I could feel his anger at the sickness and disease. He doesn't like it. No, no more than you You like it when your child is suffering and sick. You know you're not better than Jesus, right? Yes. You know that? Yeah. We're, we're catching up to him. That's the whole plan. But. And uh, then he spoke the exact same thing to Gary, who was an elder at the time. And uh, he came to an elder's meeting and said, Jesus told me that we're to write down every sickness and disease in the house. Isn't that amazing? So we have a list, and you can put not your brother your sister or grandma or grandpa or nieces and nephews we think they're all wonderful and we want them healed too but jesus said right here he wants to wipe out sickness and disease in this house so this becomes a healing center that then can spread outward we have some pretty incredible things happening but there's way too much sickness and disease in his body represented right here in this church service right here today Um, and so on that Thursday, uh, that, that Saturday night, that's one of the things we're going to go after. We're going to take that list. I was asking the Lord this week, what do you want us to do with this list? And the first thing that came up was a prayer and praise night where we're going to come together for two hours, March 28th, Saturday night, right here. And we're just going to worship and worship and worship. And then we're going to pray and pray and pray and believe for a breakthrough. So I want you to mark that in your calendar and come here. Now we always uh, like to open our messages with a testimony of what the Lord is doing, not just what he did do 2,000 years ago, uh, because he is on the move until he returns again. This, the testimony of this morning I want to open up with is uh, one I'm so deeply, deeply thankful for, and that is my wife just finished her 16th round of chemo, and she, go ahead, you can clap, yeah, she's still here, she is. She uh, went last Monday to get a PET scan. Now there's a process involved here, but let me tell you where we're at. There's little mile markers, positive mile markers, and so she uh, went to get a PET scan last Monday, and then she went left from the PET scan to go on a three-day retreat uh, just to decompress after 20 weeks of uh, 16 rounds of chemo. She went to the mountains in this B&B, just her and Jesus, and uh, she had no cell reception. She came down on Tuesday. and uh, We weren't supposed to hear the PET scan results for about a week. She came down on Tuesday just to get a coffee from Starbucks. And she went into town. She had a reception for about 10 minutes before she went back up to the mountain. And her phone rang, and it was her oncologist. He caught her in that 10-minute window <laughs> to let her know, your PET scan results have come back. And she was like, really? And he said, and you're completely clean. Amen. So, for those of you that are not aware, you know, the PET scan, the, the, the cancer went into her lymph nodes, and that means it's traveled, which means it could be anywhere in your body. Um, and so, that came back clean. Now, on March 6th, they're going to take all her lymph nodes out of her uh, left armpit, and they're going to biopsy them uh, to prophesy what the PET scan said. It's going to come back zero cancer. Yes. Amen. And then, uh, we do a little bit of radiation. And... Uh, then she gets to go back to work as a research scientist working on the AIDS epidemic globally, which is her calling. And she gets to go back to what Jesus has called her to do. And what, totally the, enemy, and what the enemy meant for evil, totally Jesus is turning to good. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's, praise, let's praise him for it. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for these mile markers. And... Uh, Marsha, we haven't forgot about you. We pray for you every day, and we're going to continue to pray for you to get the same positive results you and Jeff and Maru and everybody else here. Come join me March 28th as we come and we call upon the God of the breakthrough to bring more and more deliverance and freedom in this house. Amen? Amen. Are you guys ready for the Word? Are you ready for the Word? He sent His Word and it healed them God's power is in his word don't let anybody ever talk you out of this book being the word of God and when it is preached under the anointing it has supernatural power not because of me but because of the word and the spirit mixed with your faith creates miracles so let's go we are in a series called the glory of God the word that the Lord gave us at the beginning of this year when I was sitting on a a bench on Coronado Island fasting and praying for you for 2020 the Lord said this year you are going to see my glory we've looked at the definition of his glory and it is vast and it's all good and we are already beginning to see manifestations of his glory in this church already, the testimonies every Sunday that we're hearing, you can catch them online, go back and listen to other sermons, um, and hear these testimonies of what God's doing. But there's a whole lot more to come. And so a couple of weeks ago, I taught a message on the, most, the one thing that glorifies God most, and that is trust. That struck a chord. And so I taught on it again last week. And it struck the same chord And I only got a portion into my message and Mark was supposed to teach today, but this word is connecting so deeply and so many that Mark gave me his teaching uh, uh, slot this morning. So thank you, Mark. So I can continue on this. And uh, everybody said, thank God. And so um, that we get to continue on the theme. And so we're teaching on trust. Trust is the issue in the earth. It's the issue with every human relationship, and it's the issue with our relationship with God. Trust ranges everywhere from your mechanic to your mate. Right now, I, I took my I took my car to get an oil change and came back, and I pulled out in the the the. Uh, The maintenance light was on, and the car's not running right. And so I thought, what the heck? And of course, the first thing that goes through my mind is, you know, you go into the mechanic, and they open the hood, and then they pull a plug, and they say, "Oh, you need work on your car." You just want to—you're just curious. One is my mechanic competent. Secondly, can I trust him him or her? And I'm still wondering that right now because I got to take it back in, and it's—it's awkward, right? It's like, how, how do you accuse somebody of? It's a trust issue. You want to be able to trust your money manager. You want to be able to trust your friends. You want to be able to trust your your spouse that they are faithful. When trust breaks down, it's, you know, trust is the bridge between you and whoever you're in a relationship with, whether it's a professional relationship, Or it's a personal relationship. Trust is the bridge that you walk back and forth. You greet each other in the middle of the bridge. You shake hands. You hug. You look into each other's eyes. You trust each other. And that's where the ones you truly trust, your relationship goes deeper and deeper. And you can share the deepest part of yourself because you trust them. That's why betrayal hurts so badly. And when trust is broken, it's like a big chunk of the bridge has been blown up. And you're on one side and they're on the other. And, you know, I can forgive you, but I'm just not ready to meet you in the middle of this bridge and, and, and let you in again. Br- Trust has to be restored. That bridge has to be built again through proving to me that you are trustworthy so that I don't get hurt by you again. Because it's, it's self-protective. Okay, this is the same way it is in our relationship with God. Us trusting God is about relinquishing control of our lives. And to a God we cannot see. into the hands of a God we cannot see. Does He really care deeply about me and my life? And does He care enough For me to let go of my children, let go of my money, let go of my time, let go of my dreams and say your will, not mine, be done. Those those are all trust issues. And God knows this. And so what he does is he spends each one of our lifetimes proving himself to us over and over and over and over and over again. Until we come to the place that Abraham came to where he fully trusted God. And once he came to that place, God was able to fully do what God wanted to do through Abraham's life. That's our goal. Because God's activity in our lives is regulated by our trust level. Did you know that? And that's the whole point. As your faith goes up in God, God's activity goes up. God's activity matches our faith. That's why Jesus constantly says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. If you say to this mountain and believe in your heart. And then the scripture says, God could not do. Jesus could not do, not would not, could not do many mighty works. because And he marveled. See, God makes us marvel. Sometimes we make him marvel. Jesus marveled at what? Their unbelief. Their unbelief was so powerful, it shocked him. But there was another guy, a soldier who understands authority, who said, come heal uh, my servant. And Jesus said, I'll come to your house and, and pray. He said, oh, you don't have to come. I get it. I'm a military man, and there's people under my authority, and I say do this, and they do it. And all you have to do is just tell the sickness to leave; it'll leave because I understand that you are under authority as well. And Jesus marveled. Yes. What did he marvel at? His faith. Do you want Jesus to marvel at your unbelief or your faith? That's why I'm preaching. That's why you're believing. That's why you're here, for our faith to rise. So let's go. Let's look at the end of Abraham's uh, faith journey. And this is our goal as well. He is called the father of our faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He did not waver. Everybody say waver. He did for a long time. We're talking about the end of his faith development. He did not, he did not waver at the promise of God. See that? You promise somebody something and they want to be able to believe that you're good for your word. It's a character issue. Satan will challenge you as soon as God gives you a word. Satan will come and challenge you and make it look just the opposite of what you heard preached. Just the opposite of what you read. Just the opposite of what you feel the Holy Spirit said to you. Jesus said that, that, that way. Satan, he says, God sows the, sows the word into your heart, into your life in some way. You hear it from the Lord. And he, Jesus said, Satan comes when? Immediately. When? Immediately. Come on, church. When does Satan come? Immediately. 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 To do what? Steal. Take what? The word. The word. Hmm. See, Jesus said the whole kingdom of God operates as a seed. And then Jesus clearly said, and the word of God is the seed. I'm planting seeds in you right now. The word of God. You hear a word. It's a seed. It goes into you. Pow, and it's like this little plant starts. It's faith. It's like, oh, I believe. And you walk out of here and Satan comes immediately on the car right on the way home. All of a sudden, it erupts. The the fight on the way home from church. (laughs) I can name just a whole bunch of stuff that Satan can and will do to try to get you not to believe what you just heard. Because he knows the Word will dominate him. If you believe it, And you stand your ground. And you don't change. And you don't believe what you see, feel, hear, taste. You only believe what God said. And you believe it until it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold in your life. Mark chapter 4. Luke chapter 8. Read those. He did not waver the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God. There's the glory of God. That's the series. We're in. This is how the glory of God is seen in our lives. Is when we believe, strengthened in faith. You see, and through His life journey, which we'll look at in a second, and being fully convinced that He could trust His mechanic. You see, He trusts His bill. Fully convinced, I can trust my friend, my spouse, my boss, my coworker, my neighbor. Fully convinced that He. That what God had promised, He was also able to perform. Okay, now let's go to the book of Genesis. In chapter 12, where God first spoke to Abraham. Now, last week, we covered two of the four things that God will tell you to do. We looked at leave and stay. Everybody say leave. Leave. Say stay. Stay. Today we're going to look at wait and obey. Say this with me. Leave, stay, wait, and obey. Say it with me. Leave, stay, wait, and obey again. Leave, stay, wait, obey. Those are four things you're going to hear God tell you to do at any given time. We looked at leave. Let's look at uh, um, Genesis 12. Look what God says to Abraham. Now, the Lord had spoke to Abraham, leave, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. We covered all that last week. And I will make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. That's our God. To make your name great. Abraham didn't make his own name great. God made his name great. God doesn't mind you being exalted. He just doesn't want you to exalt you. He wants to exalt you in due time and in his way where he wants to exalt you. But he is a God that loves to exalt and bless and heal and save and deliver. God's good. We just have to trust him. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. That's the end game is that God can bless everyone around you through you. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. You can trust God to protect you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. There are times when God will tell you to leave. And then we look in verse 4. I'm not going to teach on leaving because we taught on that last week. And verse 4 So Abraham departed, and the Lord had spoken to him. That was a great start for Abraham. He left everything that was familiar to him on nothing else but the word of the Lord. God didn't even show him where he was going. He said, I will show you after you step out. You see, he's got to leave space for your trust. He's trying to build your trust like a muscle. He clearly could have shown Abraham everything, the end from the beginning, but he wanted Abraham to learn to trust his voice. That's what God is doing with you. He just gives you one thing to do, or one thing not to do, or to leave, or to stay, or to wait, or to obey. It's amazing to me how he puts so much of the equation into our hands. But it's also even more amazing to me of how badly we can screw up but he never stops working with us. His plan never changes. Just sometimes we have to bring a lot more baggage along with us that we collect along the way. Like Abraham did. Abraham collected an extra wife, an extra kid. It took him a lot more time to get to where God wanted him to go. Because of his unbelief, because of his fear. But the great thing about God is, he says, you done screwing around? Can we we continue to move on with this thing? Yeah, but I got an extra wife now. Well, bring her along. I got an extra kid. Yeah, he comes too. What about my nephew Lot? Yeah, we had to get into a war with five kings because I told you to leave everyone. Why did you bring Lot? I don't know. He wanted to come along and I, you know, I wanted somebody. And we rationalized the word of the Lord. It's like, well, and people say, you're being extreme. You don't need to leave the country. Yeah, God said that, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, let's do the Ben Franklin. Come on, piece of paper, lined on the middle, pros and cons. And you can start letting your rational mind talk you out of the word that you heard in the middle of the night. You're like, yeah, I guess bringing my nephew along, That's not a big deal. He's a good kid. Oh, really? Read the story. Living in Sodom. And Abram has to go deliver him. Risk his life to save his nephew. And finally, they part ways. And we pick that up in Genesis chapter 15. All right, so let's jump way ahead to Genesis 15. This is after Abraham was already left. This is after he did not stay, as we looked at last week, where he needed to stay in a famine land, in Canaan. He had made it to Canaan. He left his country, made it to Canaan. And God said, now stay here. And he didn't because of the famine because of circumstances things dried up no 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 sales whatever it might be that causes us to say oh we should probably leave and so he goes down to egypt gets into trouble comes back around to canaan then his nephew gets into trouble he has to go rescue him and so we pick it up in chapter 15 After these things, after what things? After Abraham cleans up the mess of bringing his nephew with him. After these things, the word of the Lord came in a vision to Abram saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I love this so much. The devil will try to tell you that you screwed up so badly that you are on plan b at best with god what was gonna be can't be now because of you hey his name is creator he creates plan a and then he creates another plan a and he keeps creating plan a's until you see him face to face Because God is not controlled by our unfaithfulness or our screw-ups or our sin. It certainly can rock the boat a little bit and throw things off course for a minute. But he just resets the GPS and says, yeah, that's our destination right there. It's like, well, I thought we were going over there. No, we're going to go over here. And then here's the thing about God. Over there ends up being twice as good as the original destination. Because where sin abounds, grace what? much more about. This has got to drive the devil crazy. (laughs) With the enemy meant for evil, God turns it to good. He uses our screw-ups and the devil's attacks to make a better plan. (laughs) That's our God. So after Abraham messes around God comes to him in a vision and affirms Abraham. And then confirms his original promise. How many times has God how many times have you felt like you heard from the Lord and then it just looks like this doesn't look the way I thought it was going to look or That you mess up so bad you just think that there's no way that plan can ever work out again. How many of you? And then God comes to you and reaffirms you and reconfirms his covenant with you and his plan for you. Raise your hands. If God has ever come back around to you, giving you another dream, another word, another scripture, another prophecy, and it's just, oh, seriously? We still get to do this thing? Uh Uh-huh. You are so faithful, God. You see, the trust is building in His mercy. Trust builds in His grace. We grow in grace. Trust builds in His faithfulness. God comes to Abraham. He didn't come to him and rebuke him and say, You idiot. I'm going to use somebody else now. Can't believe you went down to Egypt. Can't believe you brought Lot along. No. What does He do? He shows up and says, Don't be afraid i am your shield and your exceedingly great reward god just remains god that's what i so love about him i can be squirreling around and making all these mistakes and being unfaithful and feel uh, uh unbelief and fear and dumb decisions and 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 then i run into god and he's still faithful all loving all powerful kind merciful gentle ready to restore me and reinstate me and you. When I pray the Lord's Prayer and I say, Father in heaven, holy is your name. When I get to that holy piece, it brings such security into me because holy means whole, unbroken, unchipped, just healthy and whole. And, I, and, and, and it, doesn't, it shouldn't intimidate us. His holiness should draw us in. To his wholeness, you are unchanging, and then he changes us little by little into his wholeness, his holiness. And Abraham says, But Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless in the air of my house, Eleazar of Damascus. Here's Abraham in unbelief again. God's already promised them a promised child, a miracle child. And it's been a number of years now. Remember we said, we read where he did not waver, but we see him wavering. You see, he did not waver is when he's finally solidified. He was strengthened in faith. Along the way, God does these uh, milestones with Abram, bringing him to a place where he does not waver. And we're going to see that in just a second. And he says... Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is the Eleazar of Damascus. He's looking at Abraham's rationalizing. What can I do here? And Abraham said, "Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Let's go with him. Let's go with one of my servants, God. That's a good plan." And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, "This one shall not be your heir." But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. He had to re-say to Abraham what he had already said to Abraham more than once. And he's willing to do it. Because he knows he's building our trust. Then he brought him outside. He gives him a little flannogram. He gives him a little visual here. Then he brought him outside. You guys remember what flannelgrams were? Look now toward heaven. And count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. So he now adds... A visual to his word he appears in a dream a vision then he speaks to him again then he goes outside and does a word picture on him he's trying he's helping Abram believe he does the same thing with you and I and he believed in the Lord and he accounted to him for righteousness you like finally he believed oh isn't that awesome chapter 16 now Sarah Abram's wife had borne no children and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, "See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps I will obtain children by her." And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. I didn't say that, you said it. I don't know if y'all heard that, but then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar her maid, the Egyptian, gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she when Sarai saw that Hagar uh, conceived, she despised her. What happened? What happened? He had a word of the Lord, he departed. Then he had a vision from God. Then another word of the Lord. Then he shows him the stars. Abraham believed. What happened? He listened to his wife. Read the Bible. I'm just saying. In this instance. Abraham. Listened to his wife. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to bring up Adam listening to Eve or anything like that. Okay, ladies, for those of you that don't know me, I can be an idiot. And I love and value and honor women, especially my wife, who's the sharpest knife in the drawer. I always ask for her counsel and her wisdom. So, so important. But but listen, wives, when the Lord has spoken to you and your husband is saying something contrary to what the Lord, you can't listen to him. You have to listen to the Lord. Right. Husbands, when you have a word from the Lord and your wife has given you uh, logic or rationale or, or if you've truly heard from the Lord, unless it's unbiblical, illegal, immoral, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the word of the Lord. You cannot obey anyone's voice but the Lord when he has spoken to you. Abram should have said to Sarai, sorry, the Lord's already told me. The baby's going to come through our own bodies, through our own genetics, and not obeyed her in that instance, but he did. And it cost him. Sometimes we get impatient waiting on God to do His thing. And so we end up doing our own thing. He doesn't change, but boy, we got to bring some stuff along with us. I tell you, God is just so faithful with our mistakes. How many of you have ever been in a relationship before... That you knew wasn't from the Lord, but you really wanted it. I see one honest person in church today. Two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, you knew it wasn't the Lord, but you wanted it. And you wrestle with him. You have no peace on the inside. Aren't you, for those of you that finally let go and let him have his way, aren't you thankful? You found out that he was right and he had something better in store for you, didn't you? Yes, I'm still here. So often we want our baba and God's like, "Mm, trust me. I have something better for you. Trust me. And then we get to chapter 22. In chapter 22, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Well, I'm I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. God came to Abraham at one point after all this saga and says, Next year, you're going to have a child. And Abraham laughed. It's been 24 years, and God is still saying the same thing. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I hope this is encouraging you. I hope this is bringing hope to you. I hope this is dismantling the lies of the devil in your life. God's plan for your life does not change. He is faithful. And He has spoken it. He's committed to it. He's committed to you. He's just waiting for you to be fully committed to Him and His vision for your life. And when you are and you two are in agreement, kabam, God gets to do His full, express His full glory in your life. It just takes a lifetime for Him to get us to trust Him. You might say, well, where was he when that thing happened to me? Or or what should have happened to me didn't. Where was he? Why didn't he stop it? God is not going to stop everything. God is not arbitrarily going to control the whole planet and every human being in it. Otherwise, he is overriding our will. Well, where was he then? Right there with you. Going through it with you. Being faithful as you go through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's in knowing that. Knowing that even though He didn't stop it, He was with me. And He's been walking through the healing process with me. And you get through that healing process, you become a, great, a much greater, compassionate, empathetic, merciful healer yourself the bible says that jesus became the captain of our salvation by his scars the book of hebrews says that your scars qualify you to be a merciful leader friend person Abraham laughs, still not fully convinced, still wavering a bit. But then Isaac was finally born, 25 years later. Then we pick it up in chapter 22. Abraham finally thinks he's arrived, finally rung the bell. He and God finally pulled off the miracle, and now it's all Easy sledding from here. And verse two of chapter twenty-two. Then he said, "Take now your son, oh yes, Isaac, my miracle son. Woo! I, I show him off everywhere I go. Everybody knows me as the, the the old man that had the miracle child because of my faith. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac." Whom you love. You know I love him. And go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains of which I will tell you. What? (laughs) And I've got to tell Sarah this? This doesn't compare, but I was on staff out in East County of a mega church, been there for 12 years. The church fell apart because the leadership fell into sin. I just married Hope, just bought a house, just married Hope. She was on staff, personal assistant to the senior pastor of a 6,000-member church. She'd been a missionary in the Philippines. She was, you know, had her family, had her church, had her food, had her music, what do they call that cake music down there? Zydeco. Zydeco. She had her Zydeco. Her, gum, her jambalaya. Gumbo. Alligator boudin. She was sitting sweet, man. And then she marries me. Do you know what she told her friends when I showed up to the conference where I met her at her church? People came from all over the world to the conference that her church is putting on. And some of the single girls that were on staff, because there's a huge church, there's a lot of singles looking for their godly man or godly woman. And some of the girls were talking about me. And you know what Hope told her girlfriends? He's 32, never been married, and he's from California. Something's wrong with him. Stay away. <laughs> am I lying in church or am I telling the truth? hmm She wanted this all to herself. (laughs) Unfortunately, she got it. Sorry. Point of the story. So everybody on the staff got laid off. So I don't have a job. We just got married. Just bought a home. Just lost my job. Her pastor calls me up, wants to hire me. Praise the Lord. Fly out to Louisiana twice, a couple interviews, ready to go. He calls me. I'm in California. We're going to pack up and go. He calls me, says, let's fast for three days and see if Jesus has anything else he wants to say to us before we do this. Well, during the fast, the Lord gave me the Old Testament verse. One time in the Bible, when a man takes a wife, he takes a year off work. That was the word of the Lord to me. and I've got to come out of my prayer closet and tell my new bride not only am I going to say no to your former pastor of this mega church and you get to go home to Louisiana not only am I going to say no God told me not to work (laughs) she doesn't know me we met 11 months earlier it was a long distance relationship I just put all my best stuff forward and she bought it so I call him I said pastor I don't know how I'm going to tell you this the Lord told me not to take the job and he told me not to work for a year he gave me this Old Testament verse when a man takes a wife he takes a year off work and he said John I didn't know how I was going to tell you this but the Lord gave me the exact same verse for you I think he gave it, I think he, God, Jesus gave it to him for her. Because she trusts him. Trust. Trust. She, she'd seen his leadership that he can hear from God long enough. The Lord knew that she trusted him. And so she, therefore, she was able to trust me. The next day, a multimillionaire called and said, I believe in God's call in your life. I don't want you to take in any job. So I'm going to support you for one year until you find out what God wants you to do next. And this is what he wanted me to do next. Thank you. I have one church member who... Okay, you guys ready for this? We've got to close it up with this. What did Abraham do? Verse 3, So Abraham rose early and argued with God. leave stay wait and what say it out loud obey Obey. that is what God is trying to get us to do not because he's an ogre in the sky trying to control us but he's trying to bless us and bless the world through us he wants you to walk on water he will tell you to do things that are not rational what is rational about standing in front of a a sea have the Egyptian army bearing down on you. You got three million slaves that are following you. What are you going to do? I mean, scientifically, what's the probability of pointing a stick? <laughs> the word of the Lord. What am I going to do, God? Take the stick you have in your hand and point it toward the water. Okay what is the scientific possibility not even probability that the sea is going to split open and 3 million people are going to go walk across it and then a, and then you know there was a uh, there was this radio program with this this atheist and this Christian apologist were on being interviewed and the atheist said well i know for a fact That at that time of the year, that part of the water passage they went through was only like four inches deep. And the Christian said, well that's even more of a miracle. That God could drown the entire Egyptian army in four inches of water. (laughs) See, it depends on what lens you're looking through. Abraham arose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place where God had told him. Abraham had come to the place. For he believed God so unwaveringly that when God said to do something, he would do it. Wouldn't analyze it. Wouldn't ask for, for counsel. Counsel not a bad thing. But when you've heard the word of the Lord, you don't need to hear the word of anybody else. He heard the word of the Lord. And and remember where we began. He heard the word. Leave your country, your family. He did. He did the same thing. He departed. But then he squirreled around for 25 years. Picked up some extra baggage he had to bring along the way. Had to negotiate all that now. But God's still the same. Finally, after 25 years... He hears the Lord do this thing. He gets up. He departs just like he did the first time. But this time, nothing is going to stop him, get in his way. He's not going to rationalize. He's not going to compromise. He's going to do it. Period. As they say down south if at hair lips (laughs) Georgia. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? Just raise your hand. You ever heard that before? Wow, this California crowd, goodness, that one just went right at me. I have no idea what it means, but they say it down there. You ever heard that phrase, dear? No. Yeah.
1: Of course,
0: yes. Of course you have. She said, of course. You're not dear. Why would you answer that? That's really weird. For those of you who are visiting, we take love one another very seriously and literally around here. So, that's what that was about. Abraham, I, well, see, we can't really even, you hear this preached, you got to apply it to yourself because it's so hard to apply killing your own son, burning him on an altar. is like, what? You've got to apply whatever it is the Lord's telling you to do that seems absolutely insane. And do it, if it's the Lord. The Bible says that he took his son. Isaac said, Dad, where's the offering? And Abraham says, God will provide an offering. Let's go. And the book of Hebrews, in the Faith Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Abraham said He believed that even if he sacrificed his son, God would raise him from the dead because God had promised. And God stopped him right when he had the knife in his hand and said, now I know you trust me. Now I'm going to do through you what I want to do. And here's the last thing I want to say, and this is the big whammy for the day. Listen, God doesn't want to have you obey him and bless you just for you. He's trying to bless the world around you through you. Do you know that that mountain that he told Abraham to go to, which was a three-day journey, was the exact same mountain God sacrificed his only son on? When God's calling you to do something, it's not just for you. It's for his glory to be seen by a lot of people. But you've got to obey him. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer right now. Would you ask the Lord? I believe this is from the Holy Spirit. Will you ask the Lord to restore your trust right now? Restore your ability to trust. Get out of your head and get down into your heart right now and ask the Lord to help you be able to trust Him again. Some of you need to forgive right now. This is the moment you need to forgive because that unforgiveness in you is is crippling your trust ability, which is short circuiting God's plan, purpose, blessings flowing through you, not to mention your own healing. Ask the healer. Ask your healer. Lord, heal me. Enable me to trust again. It doesn't mean you have to subject yourself to abuse, to someone who has hurt you, but just your truster. Okay, I want you to look at me just for a moment. I'm going to go back to this prayer piece. I've been pastoring now for 30 years. I have been mistreated, misunderstood, accused, abused by the body of Christ. There came a point where I was in inner healing in a Sozo meeting, and I didn't know this was going to come up. And they were, the inner healing, it came up in me, and they said, What are you getting? And I said, I feel like I need to protect myself from the body of Christ. I am healthy for the most part. After all these years of being in human relationships and being in leadership, I still trust. I still love. I'm still vulnerable. How? Because of what I'm asking you to do right now. Bring your heart to Jesus. Let Him heal you. Let him restore your ability to trust. When somebody walks through that door, I need to trust when they say, Oh, you're amazing. They're not going to stab me in the back tomorrow on their way out. They might. And they need to be able to trust me when they walk in. And I say, Hey, I want to be a wonderful pastor for you. Not like the jerk down the street that you used to go to his church, right? Well, not down the street because they're my friends. On the other side of town. We all have to trust so we all have to come to Jesus and let Him heal our hearts. And He will, I promise you. Let's go back to Him now, come on. Ask Him to heal you. Heal me, Jesus. Help me trust in So you can do your full will through me. And so I can see your glory.